just give our time to you today. Father, I decrease, and Lord, I pray that you would increase through me. Speak to our hearts, God. We, we want to know what it's like and what it means, Father, to press in and seek your face, and that we learn to do that, God, in the power of the Spirit and with wisdom, so that, Lord, that we might pray prayers that are honoring to you. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this privilege. Holy Spirit, use us. Um, speak to, through us, Lord, and to us. And Father, we'll give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me to James chapter number five. You have your Bibles. James chapter number five. The title of my sermon today, and probably, I'm guessing, for the next uh, three or four weeks, we're going to be talking about prayer. Um, how many of you would, uh, would say that you can use some, some more emphasis, uh, some more help in your prayers? I think we all can do that. There's never a time where we arrive in God that uh, we cannot learn to pray more effectively and through the power of the Holy Spirit. James chapter number five, verses uh, 13 through 16. Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man or a man whose heart is right toward God can accomplish much. The first thing that we must remember is that prayer accomplishes much. When you and I come to a place that we really prioritize prayer, we will begin to understand how much prayer means to us in our lives. Prayer accomplishes a whole lot. And I think that the reason oftentimes that people don't pray or we don't pray as we should is sometimes we're not really sure that our prayers are going to make a difference. Because if you and I, and I'm speaking about the church of God, if you and I was really, really serious about prayer and we knew that, When I offer my prayers unto God, then how many know that we will pray more effectively and we will pray more often? Because prayer, as for the believer, is our most effective weapon. It is prayer. Can you imagine, and we're at war, our nation is at war right now in Iraq, but can you imagine that a soldier going into a war without his M-16? he will feel quite naked, wouldn't he? In fact, no soldier will dare go into a war without his M16, without his weaponry, because he understands that he is in a battle. And that M16 means a whole lot to him. So it is as believers, as Christians. Our most effective weapon is prayer. But so often as believers... We don't understand the importance of it. And oftentimes we find ourselves in a battle 
And we don't know how to or we don't spend the necessary time to understand how to pray and how to seek the face of God. Because I can tell you that the devils that you and I are dealing with today is going to take some strong prayer. It's going to take us seeking the face of God. And one of the things that I've learned over the years, and I'm sure many of you have too who've been going to church for a while, that one of the least attended services in church is prayer. It's not just Foundation Christian Fellowship, but it is in church in particular across America. Every church that I've ever walked into, usually, no matter how large the church is, there's a small percentage of people that pray and seek the face of God. And I often wonder, why is that? Here it is that Jesus, when Jesus came on the earth, Jesus spent a whole lot of time praying and seeking the will of the Father. Jesus sometimes would pray all night long. He understood the power of prayer. And so when Jesus, who is the Son of God, if he understood the importance of prayer, then why is it that we as a church sometimes don't prioritize prayer in our lives? Why is it sometimes that we don't do that? I mean, it can be for a number of reasons. Maybe, perhaps, nobody never really told us. And for the next few months, we're going to learn what prayer is and how to do it effectively in such a way. And we're going to talk about today that prayer that guarantees that you're going to get what you ask. How many of you stand, how many of you can stand to receive that? If I were to say to you that I will guarantee you that every time that you seek the face of God and you pray, that if you pray in this particular way, that your prayers will be answered. There is a way to do that. Prayer is our communicating with God. And with the devil, let me tell you something. That's why the enemy fights us so much to keep us from praying. The enemy does so much to keep us off of our knees. And the reason why he does that, because the enemy knows himself how important this weaponry is. He knows how important it is. And so what the devil does is he keep us bogged down with the cares of this life. He keep us distracted. He keep us busy. And one of the common complaints that we always hear is, well, you know, I would like to pray, but I don't have time to pray. Well, my friend, you and I do not have time. Listen, we have time not to pray. I don't think I said that right, but I think you get the picture. We do not have the time, or you and I cannot afford not to pray because it is our most effective weapon because anybody that ever did anything great for God, whether it's Charles Finney, or whether it's Dwight Moody, or whether it's Hudson Taylor, or whether it's Mother Teresa, they had this one common ingredient. They were prayer warriors. They spent an awful lot of time on their knees seeking the face of God. Show me a church that don't pray, and I'll show you a church that's not really making a difference. Just because, as we said before last week, just because people are coming inside the doors don't mean that that church is successful. The question is, what lives are being changed and what impact are they having on the community and the world abroad? Because then we know what kind of church they are. But a church that don't pray is a powerless church. And so one of the things that we always talk about and, you know, is the importance of praying and coming out to prayer on Wednesday. But not only that, but prayer in your personal lives. 
And what I found in a lot of cases is that people who don't normally prioritize uh, prayer and come to prayer meetings, oftentimes they don't spend a whole lot of times praying at home. Oftentimes. It's not to say that it's always the case, but oftentimes they don't. Because if you and I really recognize the power and the authority of prayer, we would give more attention to it. We would do that. Now, uh, turn with me to 1 John chapter number 5. 1 John chapter number 5. 1 John chapter number 5, verses 14 through 15. And it reads, this is the confidence. Everybody say confidence. Everybody say confidence. This is the confidence which we have before him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. I want to read that verse again. This is the confidence which we have before him. In other words, the confidence which we have before God, that if you and I ask anything according to his will, he hears us. But then it goes a step further. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. Now, the first thing that that verse there is talking about is the will of God. Now, how many of you have wills? Anybody have wills? You have a will already made up? What does the will primarily does? It carries out the wishes of somebody else, right? That's what a will does. God has given us his will, and his will is found in these pages, the word of God. So whether you're hearing, the Bible talks about how faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The Bible talks about uh, spending time uh, reading and digesting the word of God. Why does it say that? Is because if you and I are going to really understand the will of God, we must take the necessary time to study his word. Now, if you're one of those persons who don't like to read, then I would suggest that you buy the Bible on tape. Put the Bible in your CD player, but whatever you do, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if we're going to understand the will of God, then we must take the time to listen or read his word on a regular basis so that we'll know it. If you if a person has a will and a lawyer is 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 bringing out before a family or an individual what thus says this person the only way they're going to know what's in that will is the lawyer or somebody got to sit there and read the will. And so if we don't fully understand and if we want to fully understand and know the will of God, you and I got to spend time and read this Bible. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, read the Bible because it is the will of God. You see, prayer is not trying to change God's mind. You know, a lot of times people do that. They come to God and their purpose in praying is, you know, I want to get God to do what, I, what, what it is I want to do. Now, if the Bible says that this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he guarantees that he hear us. That's a guarantee. So for the believer, then, if he's saying that if I ask anything according to his will, what he's saying is if I pray in his will, then I'll get what I want every single time. So then... The Christian's responsibility is to seek, first and foremost, what is the will of God for my particular situation? 
That's number one. What is the will of God? You see, in Luke chapter 22, Jesus prayed, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. How many of you remember that when Jesus, when he was about to go to the cross? Now, Jesus didn't say, Lord, I want you to remove this cup from me. I don't want to die. He didn't just say that. The first thing he said is, Lord, if you are willing Remove this cup. You see, because, Lord, my flesh is weak. I'm struggling here, and I really don't want to do this, but, Lord, I'll go ahead and do it anyway, not as I will, but as you will. And so Jesus prioritized the will of God for his life, not what he wanted. He says, Father, if you be willing. So if Jesus said, he also said that I do nothing unless I see my father do it. He says, I don't do anything. He said, I don't make any moves. I don't do nothing until I first see my father do it. I came to do the will of him who what? Sent me. So if Jesus is praying and he is preoccupied with the will of God, how much more should you and I be preoccupied with the will of God in our prayer, in our prayer life? An example of Praying outside of the will of God. How many of you remember the story of David and Bathsheba? Do you remember that? David had committed adultery with Bathsheba, and David had gotten the lady pregnant, and, uh, or gotten Bathsheba pregnant, and, and the Lord's judgment was that, you know, because you disobeyed me, you dishonored my name, the baby that you have is going to die. Now, the scripture says that David got on his face fasted and prayed, cried out to God for seven straight days. They couldn't get him to eat, drink, and do anything. And guess what happened? The baby ended up dying. Why? Because it was the will of God that it happened that way. Now, I know we don't like to hear that. But how many know that we don't exist? uh, God doesn't exist for us, but we exist for God. So it's all about his will. And so David, he didn't sit there and look, he didn't get mad. He didn't get angry and say, God, I'm done. I don't want to serve you no more. The Bible says that David got up. He washed his face and he went on. And then he said to him, they said, well, look, how did this guy, he get up? I mean, we were thinking that, you know, that he was just going to kill himself. I mean, he wouldn't eat any food. And David said, you know, who could tell the Lord might have had mercy and changed his mind. But David accepted the fact that God had pronounced that this is the way that it was going to happen. And David said, okay, Lord, let it be. I'm moving on and I'm going to serve you. And so the responsibility that you and I have is to seek the will of God. And and that should be the first thing that you and I do and the disposition that we have when we come to pray and seek God. Our disposition should be, Lord, first and foremost, what is your will? I mean, mean, Lord, this is what I want to do. In fact, I can remember uh, right around the corner, and I think I had taken Daryl with me over there. There's a house right around the corner that me and my wife like. We just love this house. Beautiful house, beautiful garden. And I remember, man, I was coming up with all kind of reasons in my prayer. I was telling the Lord, you know, because, you know, we really want something. We can come up up with all kind of reasons to spiritualize why we should have it. So I'm, like, I'm all excited. I'm like, God, I can do this with it. I can do that. And I'm, I'm like, Lord, I really, really want this house because, Lord, I mean, we can have all these people over. We can have a wonderful fellowship. We can do all these wonderful and glorious things. 
And so one day I'm just praying. I want to say the jury's still out on that. I'm still believing God. But, but, um, but, <laughs> but anyway, but one of the things the Lord showed me, and, and the Lord spoke to me because I was driving by there every day. And I would see that house, and I would just say, Lord, you know, move. And I was just driving one day, and the Lord just kind of spoke to me. And the Lord just said, um, did you first ask me, was that what I wanted for you? I said, oh. Well, I thought, well, no, did you ask me, was that in concert with what I wanted for you? Was that consistent? And so now my prayer is, Lord, if you want us to have that house, and if it's consistent with what you want for my life, Lord, we will take it. But Lord, nevertheless, we want it. Our flesh got to have it. We want this house. We want this house. But Lord, I'm willing, not as I will, but as thou will. And I'll walk away from it. Because you see, that should be the disposition that we have. Oftentimes, what you and I do, you know, we discover something that we want to do. Whether it's a business deal or some kind of investment or whatever it might be. And we see it and we say, oh, wow, I like that. Okay, then you're going to go to God in prayer. Lord God, please give us this, Lord. I'm believing you for that. Lord, Lord, make a way out of no way. God, come on, Lord, touch the, touch the, touch the seller. Lord, just move by your spirit. And so then we get into this thing, and then we start just asking God to bless it. We get ourselves in a mess because, first of all, we didn't first seek the disposition was, Lord, what is your will first and foremost? And so we just jumped into it. We jump into things, and then we get inside of it, and then we're like, Help. God, help me. I'm stuck. And how many know that that's a bad place to be? It's a bad place to be because understanding foundational, when we talk about effective prayer, the thing that we must understand and the disposition that you and I must have first and foremost is, God, is this your will for my life? Is God, is this what you want for me? That'll keep us out of a whole lot of trouble. How many of you believe that? That will keep us safe if we first seek the will of God. And so, you know, with anything, with anything that you're interested in, if you see something like, because I guarantee you, some of you sitting there like you don't know it, but there are some things that you're wanting and you want to have, whether you say it to me or you don't. There's some stuff you want to have. But here's, but look, before just jumping into it and saying, God, give it to me, first ask God, here's what I want. But Lord, it's what I want. But I need to ask you, God, I mean, is this what you want for me first? Because if it's not what you want for me, then I don't want it. So that means that I probably, that, and a lot of us don't want to do that because we want to believe God that we're going to get what we want. And we're going to talk here in a moment about how that, you know, some people take the scripture verse that says, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. And that some people take that to mean anything. Oh, I can ask God for anything and he'll do it. No, it does not work that way. Can you say amen to that? It doesn't work that way. So I want you to write this down. Listen to this. The goal of prayer is not to get what we want from God, it's to get the mind of God. I want to say that again. 
Jot it down. The goal of prayer, this will save you from a lot of headaches. The goal of prayer is not to get what we want from God. It is to get the mind of God. In other words, God, what are you doing in the earth so that I can join in with you? That's what seeking God is all about. You hear people say the phrase, I'm seeking God. What we're really saying in its true sense If we really take it literally, what we really mean is we are seeking the will of God. But if we're not seeking the will of God, then oftentimes we'll be bringing our own will before God. And that's where we're going to lose out every single time. Now, I'm going to talk a moment about the uh, name it and claim it doctrine. How many of you have ever heard that? Name it and claim it. Uh, A few years ago, you know, and, and... and I had a relative that was heavily involved with this. And, man, she would just be riding down the road, and she would see a car. She said, that's mine in the name of Jesus. That's mine. But then it got to a point that, you know, a, a man, I'm claiming that. That's mine in the name of Jesus. And then it's just all walking around. Oh, I'm claiming that in the name of Jesus. And so it was this name and claim it doctrine that was going on. But... If you and I understand the word of God and read the Bible, the disciples and the apostles and Jesus, listen, they talked about praying without ceasing. They talked about when Jesus was about to die, the Bible said that he was sweating so much that he was in such agony that it was like great drops of blood falling from his face. The Bible talks about praying and seeking God, spending time in prayer. You know, Show me in the Bible where the apostles or Jesus went around saying, I name it, I claim it. Where is the relationship in that? Where is spending time with Jesus and understanding his will? How can you and I understand the will of the Lord if we don't take the necessary time to pray and seek his face and and ask of him what it is he wants? And so people that have this name and claim a doctrine, and what they're really saying is, I don't want to spend the time to pray and seek God's will, so I'm just going to claim it, which is unbiblical, because that is not the pattern uh, of Scripture as it relates to prayer. The Bible talks about how Jesus would go out all night long and pray, how the apostles, the disciples, they would gather together, they would be praying and seeking the face of God. There is no shortcuts. And I haven't traveled the world yet, and some other people uh, have a little bit more experience than I have. But I can tell you about America. <laughs> you know, America, we, we just, we have it spoiled here in this country. I mean, we have it spoiled. I mean, we have everything that we want. And, you know, we, we want to take the work out of our success, don't we? We want God's blessing. We want God's favor. But we don't want to spend the time to seek the face of God. We don't want to speak time, spend time to understand his will. And sometimes we don't want to do that because we're afraid that God might not give us what we want. Sometimes we don't want God's will because some of us are afraid that he might send us over to, to Africa to live in a hut. So I don't want his will. Live without food and water. Go through it a little bit. So people are afraid of the will of God. But how do you know that I've learned the best place to be in your life is the will of God? That's where the power is. (laughs) That's where the anointing is. That's where you and I begin to really tap into the authority and the power of God. That's why the apostles, the disciples, whatever you want to call 
Every one of them were successful because they were right there in the center of the will of God. Paul said, look, I've been beaten. I've been shipwrecked. I've been left out here in the middle of the ocean. People have walked away from me. I'm hungry. I've been naked. I got nothing. I'm in this dark dungeon, but I'm right there in the, in the will of God. And I am being blessed and I'm being used mightily right where I am. Sat there in the middle of the will of God. Right there in the will of God. And so when you and I pray, you see, this, I want you to get this thing down in your spirit. It's not about name it and claim it. It's about relationship. Jesus wants a relationship with us. He wants to talk with us. He wants to communicate with us. He wants to show us some great and mighty things that we don't know about. He wants to show us stuff that we can't even imagine. So there's no name it and claim it. My wife and I, we have a relationship. We communicate with one another. And because we have an intimate relationship, there are things she knows about me and things I know about her. I know there are certain things that she likes. She knows there are certain things I don't like. Why? Because we have relationship. And we men have heard this before. How many of you men have ever heard your wife say, you don't talk to me? You ever heard that? You, you haven't talked to me today. My wife said that to me a lot. You know, she said, honey, you haven't talked. What she's really saying is, I want some intimacy. And you know what God is really saying? I want some intimacy. Don't just come and hit and run. Don't come talk about name it and claim it. Come spend some time with me. Come get to know me. Because if you can know me, then you can know what it is that I want. And you won't ask for anything that is outside of my will because you have spent time with me. You know my heart. You know my thoughts. You are, you are consumed with me. And when we are consumed with Jesus, then we will know his will. But so many people, they don't want to go there. They just want God to bless, God to bless, God to give me. It's going to come with a little sacrifice. How many know that? This is good. I don't know about you, but I'm just getting filled. This is good. It is about understanding the purposes and the will of God for our lives. God want to bless. God want to give us the desires of our heart. But how many know that everybody's desires are not godly desires? Everybody's desires are not godly desires. So the goal is to, to seek his desires and to identify with him in such a way that we're one with Jesus, that we have intimate relationships with him on a regular and consistent basis. And that's why we talked about spending that time in prayer, getting to know him, and, because that's the place where it happens. And then turn with me to the Gospel of John. Uh, chapter 14. Gospel of John chapter 14. Y'all stay with me. All right. Gospel of John chapter 14. I won't be long. Pastor said he ain't going to be long. Y'all believe that? Hallelujah. Because I'm telling you what, if you get this principle down in your spirit, your prayers are going to be much, much more effective. Because you're praying intelligently and you're praying on the premise of what it is that God wants and you are seeking to do his will. And whenever you and I seek to do his will and we find it, we're going to get what we ask for every time. Look at verse number 13 in the, the gospel of John, chapter 14. And here's what I mean when it says that... You know, people have taken scriptures to say that, well, God said I can ask for anything that I want. 
Look at verse 13. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do so that the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. I'm going to read that again. Whatever you ask in my name, this is Jesus talking. How do I know it? Because it's in the red. That well, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do so that the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, here's the thing what people say. Well, there it is right there. I don't need to pray for the will of God. You ever heard that? I've heard people say that. I've heard people say, well, you know what? I don't need to pray God's will. Where did that come from? This is one of the verses that people use. I don't need to pray God's will. Then, then when you're praying, what premise are you going on? Because if we ain't praying for God's will, whose will are we praying for? People use in my name. You know, Jesus says, you know, you ask anything in my name. And people use that like it's some kind of a formula. Well, all I got to do is sign Jesus' name. It's just like signing a name on a check, and that validates it. So I can ask God anything. Well, we know, first of all, that that's not true because the Bible said that you can't have somebody else's wife, right? A husband, so you know you can't pray. The Bible says that thou shalt not steal, right? So you know you can't cheat on your taxes, right? So we obviously know that he's not saying anything means anything doesn't mean anything. For an example, I didn't bring it. I wanted to bring it. I'll show it to you. I got it right here. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right. This is my badge. Fairfax County Police Department. Okay. Now, they have invested in me authority. And I've had people come and they say to me, who gave you the right to come in here? You can't just come in here. I said, well, we got a warrant for somebody to arrest. And uh, I come in the name of Fairfax County Police. That's what gives me the authority to walk in your house and take you out of here. Now, what they told me when I came on the department, they said to me, they, they set me down. They gave me 18 weeks of legal and law that I had to learn. They also gave me a set of what we call general orders. And here's what they said. They said, Gary, you can go up and you can arrest as many people as you want. Have at it. I mean, you can go and walk into people's houses and you can knock the door down all you want to, Gary. Have at it. Oh, Gary, you can get in speed chases on the road in excess of 140 miles an hour. You can have it, get in all, this, all the speed pursuits that you want to get involved in. But there's this one thing we're saying. Make sure that you don't violate the law and the general orders, because if we do, if you do that, I'm separating myself from you and I am going to either punish you, take your job. And if you violate the law, lock you up. Right now, I have authority. Fairfax County has given me authority. Well, God has given us authority. And as long as what you and I are asking and seeking for doesn't violate this, then we're okay. But the minute we step outside of the parameters of what God has set, then we're going to get ourselves in trouble. Now we're asking outside of his will. 
So anything don't mean anything. Although they tell me that I can go up and I've had people tell me, well, you the police, you can do whatever you want to. Oh, no, I can't. Oh, no, I can't. Just like for a Christian. We just can't go and just ask for anything we want to and God's going to get it. God is not some genie. God has a purpose and God has a plan in the earth. And you and I don't even know really what it is that we need. If we really want to know the truth. I mean, we think we know. There's a lot of things about yourself that you don't even know. There's a lot of things about myself that I don't even know. That's why the Bible says that the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can understand the heart? There's so much junk and so much sin in there. it's, It's hard to migrate through all that stuff. But that's when God comes by his Holy Spirit. And when we seek his face in prayer, God begins to shine the light on some things because we're spending some time in his presence. And so Jesus says, if my words abide in you, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then ask what you will and I'll do it. So, again, that speaks to relationship. Jesus says, if you abide in me. In other words, if you identify with me, if you become one with me. Ask whatever you will, and I promise you, I will go ahead and do it. Why? Because we're asking what he wants. So when we go out to pray on Wednesdays and we're seeking his face, we're not just there just trying to force some issue. We're there. We're saying, God, what is it that you want from us? Or, God, what is it, God, that you would have us do? How would, it, how would you have us to do it? What is it that you want for our lives? Because, God, this is what we're seeing, but, God, is it what you want? You see, if every time you go to prayer, if you come to God with that kind of disposition, then you're going to find that your prayer life is going to be much more productive. Because whenever you say to God, God, I'm seeking to do it your way, God is saying, okay, now I can move. Now I can trust you. Now, be prepared because it might mean that you might have to drink a cup or drink out of a cup that you don't want to drink out of. You know, Jesus says that, you know, this cup my father given me, shall I not drink it? Sometimes God is going to require us to drink the cup that he's given us because it may be that he want to change somebody else's life. He's at work in somebody else's life. Or it may be that there's some stuff wrong with us that you and I have to get right. And God says, no, I want you to go through this. But my will for you right now is to go through this trial, to go through this difficulty and to go through this challenge. And the apostle Paul had every opportunity. He could have gotten mad and said, wait a minute, God, you called me in the ministry. And here I am sitting here. Other kings are sitting in king's houses. These people I'm trying to witness to, they got food on their table. They're sitting in a nice warm house. And here I am preaching the gospel. And why do I got to go through all this? You know, Paul was in jail, in the Philippian jails. Know what he was saying? Rejoice. Writing from jail. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Because Paul had determined this one thing, whatever I got to do to please my father, I'll do it. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what God asks of me. If God asks me to move to Africa and go in a hut, I'll do it. If God asks me to relocate and leave this country and go to another one, I'll do it. If God asks me to leave my job and go into ministry full time, I'll do it. God, if that's what you want, I'll do whatever it is you want me to do. You see the difference? So we can't have any... You know, you know, these these little uh, what I want to say uh, lines that we we draw up, you know, the God, I'll go, but I won't go this far. I'll, I'll stop right here. And see, a lot of see, a lot of us will say, well, I don't do that. But in our spirits, we're that way. God knows because he's always going to require us to go a little bit deeper because it's all about his will Isn't it good to be in the will of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Look at your neighbor and say he's making some headway. 
All right. Hallelujah. Now, what does proper prayer do? When I say proper prayer, I'm talking about prayer that we, have, we are praying in a pure heart. Our motives are right. Our heart is right. We're seeking God the way that we ought to seek the face of God. What does it do? Number one, it helps us to discern the will of God. How many of you have been in prayer about something? You really felt, you know, that, that something was supposed to be a particular way. But then as you begin to pray about it and ask God about it, God began to show you that there was another way that it's supposed to go. How many of you have ever had that kind of experience? That you was really believing, okay, this is the way, but then God showed you. That's what happens. When we are in the will of God, when we are seeking God's face, what God does is God will help us to discern his will and know what his will is. God's will, uh, a proper prayer also brings clarity and wisdom to us. If we are praying for wisdom in a particular area, if you believe in God and you just don't quite understand how to take the next step, the Bible says if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. God said, I'll give it to you liberally. God is not holding back. But then it also forces us to trust in him. That means it forces us to believe and trust in God that God will take care of our situation. That as we cast our concerns on him, the Lord says to cast all of your care upon him because why he cares about us God really does care about us and he care about our needs and then it also builds faith when we pray the way that we should pray it builds faith and confidence in us and you know whenever it's like um, I work out and I've always seen over the years and guys have always asked me and I'm not in shape like I used to be I mean I used to work out seven days a week and I would just I was, you know, I was a little muscle man. And guys will always ask me, he's like, you know, what do you do to get like that? You know, because some of the guys would come in there and they would say, you know, I've been working out now for, for, for a month. Or some would say to me, I've been working out for a week and I haven't seen any results. And I would say, well, you just got to hang in there. You, gotta, you haven't been doing it long enough. You got to stay consistent. Work at it. One of the things that inspired me when I first started working out is that I begin to see some results. Saw a little muscle here, saw a little muscle there, you know, saw the waistline get a little tighter, and I was like, whoa, I'm making a little bit of progress. So I just, that just inspired me to work out even more. In prayer, it's the same thing. As you pray and you seek the face of God and the will of God, what God will do is once you pray according to his will, you're going to be more productive, and then you're going to see God start to answer your prayer. And when you start seeing God, and we start seeing God answers your prayer, what is it going to do? It's going to build faith in you. It's going to inspire you to get on your knees even more. And I think that sometimes a lot of people don't pray the way that we should because perhaps we're thinking, you know what? I keep praying and nothing is happening. Anybody ever been there? I keep praying, I keep praying, but just nothing is happening. Sometimes God is saying no. Sometimes God is saying yes. Sometimes he's saying just wait, not the time yet. Timing is very, very important. And then I really believe that the most, the thing that really caused the biggest of problems is we're not always inside of praying the way that he would have us to pray. 
And so that's what these series of teachings are all about. So that, listen, I wanted to be so that when we pray that we have, listen, because I really believe God want God hear us. He says he hears the prayers of the righteous and his ears are always open. He said, I'm always listening. So God is going to answer your prayer and we need to come with faith and believe that God is going to answer our prayer. Now, if something is happening, if our blessing is something's being clogged up, then maybe we need to go back and revisit my prayer. Maybe I need to go back and look at some sin that might be in my life. How many know that that has the ability to clog up the lines? If there's unconfessed sin in our lives, that can hinder God moving in our lives, and it definitely can hinder our prayers. It read, it said over in James, if anyone among you is sick, you know, he has to come, he has to confess his sins, and then the prayer of faith will heal him. See, sins and confession of sin is directly tied to God answering prayer sometimes or not answering the prayer. So there could be a whole lot of reasons. And then, I'm almost done. Extended times of prayer. I want to talk about that for a moment. Now, I'm not legalistic, so I don't want nobody to understand me to be this way. But there's no set time for how long you should pray, okay? But there are going to be times when if we're really going to be effective in our prayer, that we need to spend a lot more time than two or three moments or two or three minutes in prayer. There are some prayers and some things that you and I are going to, we're going to have to spend some time laboring before God. And you know, just talking to God on the way out for a few minutes in the car ain't going to cut it. Because most of the time I find in my personal life that when I'm trying to pray and I'm praying in my car, because I'll pray it, I'll pray it any time because I don't believe you have to be confined to any one location. God hears you wherever. But one of the things that I find in prayer to really be effective is you want undistracted prayer. And oftentimes, I'm driving on the road, I get distracted by some scenery or the guy that just cut me off. (laughs) Then you go from prayer to something else. (laughs) You know, and so we get distracted with a lot of other stuff. And it hinders our ability to really uh, to, to pray effectively in a way that God can hear us. And so we need to spend time from time to time, some extended time in prayer. Jesus spent all night in prayer. You remember the disciples when Jesus was about to die on the cross? The disciples were like, Jesus, you know, they were praying and then they all fell asleep. And Jesus came back. Jesus said, look, wait, wait a minute. Can't you not, I'm paraphrasing, can't you not chill out and hang with me for one hour? I mean, come on, we've been praying for an hour. Can't you hang with me just for a little bit longer? And Jesus was about to to, to, to go and die on the cross and have uh, his most horrific experience for our sins. And at that particular moment, the disciples are falling asleep because they're not, they haven't disciplined themselves in prayer. So prayer takes discipline, and it takes time sometimes to do that. And then, in conclusion, turn to Mark chapter number 11, and we're closing with this verse. Mark chapter number 11. Mark chapter 11, verse 15. Mark chapter 11, verse 15. Then they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who were buying and selling in the temple. 
and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. And he would not permit anyone to carry merchandise through the temple. And he began to teach and to say to them, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. And here we have merchants who were charging the people excessive fees and people were bringing animals and birds and they were being brought and people and they were being charged at exorbitant rates. And how many know that the church primarily doesn't exist to make money? And Jesus was very upset when he walked in the temple and he saw what was happening. And then he brought the focus to where it should be. He said that my house shall be called or recognized in the earth by all nations a house of prayer. Now, that is not something that I came up with. And so when you hear me stand up here and I talk week in and week out about prayer, this is not Gary's idea. Jesus said that my house shall be recognized as a house of prayer. And I heard the Jim Symbolist say this, and I agree with him. He said, you know, we fight a whole lot about prayer in the schools, but man, it's hard to get prayer in the church. Let's start with church first. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not knocking that we shouldn't be praying, you know, that we have prayer in, in schools, because how many know we need prayer in schools? I'm not saying that, okay? But a lot of people who are yelling and screaming about that, they don't even come to prayer at the church that they go to. The most important weaponry that you and I have is prayer. And if we're going to make a difference in the earth, we must prioritize prayer. I mean, we're not talking here about, you know, we're going to send some folk there at a, at a, you know, to a prayer location and the leaders get to sit back home and drink coffee and watch TV while the people go out and pray. No, no, no. We will prioritize prayer because Jesus prioritized prayer and he was the son of God. The apostles prioritized prayer and they made a huge impact. If we and I don't prioritize prayer, who are we kidding? I mean, really, who are we kidding? Everything that we're doing must be bathed in prayer. Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. It's not Gary's idea. It's his idea. So make a fresh commitment. I want to encourage you, as you go to pray, begin to pray and ask God before you even get started. God, this is what I want, but what is your will? And then ask God how that you can be better in your own prayer life. God, what is it that I can do that I can be more effective in my prayer? Because if I were to say to you, how many of you want to have your prayers answered? Everybody here would say, I want my prayers answered. Well, this is the starting point. Praying according to to the will of God and understanding his will. And God will reveal it to us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Why don't we close in prayer? I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet.